All right, welcome to Lang Time Chat, episode 13. We are starting year two of the podcast. And David's here too, I promise. Just very silently. Look, look it's a rabbit. <laughs> it is a rabbit. and It looks better from this side. It looks better from this side. It looks better if we're not on yeah. a podcast. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be tough because today's topic is shadow puppets, and it was going to be highly visual. I only know one. <laughs> Let's see it. Let's see it. Show everybody. Everybody <laughs> wants to. Yeah. See. I just I just and, did and, a. Would you call that a bird or a butterfly? Yeah, it's a bird. That's that's the bird's second appearance appearance on this podcast, as we will recall. Yes, it is. Except I think last time it appeared, it also made some noises because it was your bird. And yeah. I'm pretty sure you put in some caca noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I should have turned down my volume. I was not ready for that. No, that's, that's mine. Let's hear yours. No, that's good. I think that is the ultimate bird sound. Um, um, so Reciprocity. Come on. I never guaranteed that. <laughs> um, okay, so today David is taking over the topic and I have no idea what we're talking about other than bird calls and shadow puppets. So I am excited to find out what the topic is. Well, I thought today we could, uh, so first another little plug for our, our patrons that aren't there yet. We have a Patreon Discord now which you can be a part of if you're a patron. Do you, do you know like how many patrons? Are, like it's, it's really active, but I don't know how many patrons are actually on the Discord, do you? Um, I can definitely check if you wanna keep talking no, and leading. No, um, no I'm, I'm already checking. Um, eight, nine, 12, 13, 28, eight. we have 28. We have 28 people on the Discord but only uh but but we have 47 patrons so mm -hmm. it means some of you are not joining in the fun and that's fine for or right now but we may not have be, discord we will be levying fines and sanctions so okay outright lie i just want to point that out you don't okay. have to join okay all right but you should but like, if you have discord if you don't then i totally get it yeah you just need it i mean you don't even have to have it you just need to hit your your monthly minimum for uh, the number of discord posts in order to qualify for credit right <laughs> and david is keeping track of all of it i the same way i keep track of everything just in my head <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and we know how well that goes from week to week in live streams extremely well um I uh, just just to want to warn everybody, it wasn't full screen, but it is now. <laughs> what is? My 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 Zoom. It's full screen. Now. Oh, okay. Because you know that doesn't affect their view. Just you know. No, no. Okay. Just me. Just me. Okay. So you were just oh. excited about full screen mode. Gotcha. Now now I'm bigger and I don't like it. Hmm. I mean that's no, what happens when you go full screen. Yeah, it does. Yeah, last night I um, I was up until six thirty in the morning, uh, kerning a new font. Um, yes, I hear the adventures of kerning are in the details. Yeah, I uh, and I discovered at the very end, right after I produced the font version one of the font, that one of the characters that was in there it was like, oh no, this looks terrible. It has to change immediately. Um, and furthermore, that character had its own kerning class. So oh. uh, when I and when I changed it, it folded into another kerning class, which meant that that just added needless minutes. So I kerned that class that I ended up deleting with, you know. And if nobody knows classes. what kerning is, you should look it up, K-E-R-N-I-N-G, because mm -hmm. it is very, very interesting in terms of getting do that. Do shapes that. to fit together. No, I just realized it was a very up view, whatever. We're on a podcast. Oh. They're listening to us. They don't need to know about our camera angles. <laughs> I think they do. I mean, I, I'm i at 89 right now. Not 88, <laughs> 80, 
87.5. No, 88, 88. I'm at 88. What are you I'm at? Not even, I don't even know. I'd have to like turn my laptop sideways to truly see how much of an angle I have. And that seems like a lot of work. So instead, I'm going to let you take over the topic now. So yes, following on our uh, patron suggestion, I thought it would be fun to talk about uh, board games and role-playing games today. And, you know, our, our history with them and as they interweave with language, since I think that's what we're supposed to be talking about, right? Language or something? I mean, really, that is the focus of what we do at Lang Time Studio. So yes, that would be good. Yeah. Um, I, I think, though, to, to start us off, I'll just, uh, I'll just monologue for uh, 45 minutes. Um, so you cool. just- Well, I'm going to go take a nap. Sit back. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. I um, periodically, though, you will hear. <laughs> I'll be sure to just, you know, turn off the sound. <laughs> want to make sure that you're listening. Um, but uh, no, no, no. I, I did want to mention. So I know that I've talked about it on the stream before. But um, you know, the entire thing that we're doing with Langtime Studio, right, is we're creating languages for a board game that I have planned, um, which of course. Uh, you know, Jesse has never played um, due to it, you know, not yeah. existing. Also, it's kind of difficult, though I should tell you this. Um, I don't know why I didn't mention this before. I actually did mock up a version, um, not like, a, you know, with, with graphics or anything, but I've mocked up a version, a playable version in tabletop, shoot, uh, simulator? Um, I think it's tabletop simulator. It's on Steam and there's two big ones, right? And it's the one that's less, uh, where the, the icon is less pretty, I guess. I think it's tabletop simulator. Uh, but anyway, you can use tabletop simulator and if two people have Steam and tabletop simulator, you can actually uh, you know, play board games over the nice. internet. Um, that's super cool. I'd never heard of want. that. Yeah, it's um, and it's very, um, I don't want to say low tech, but it's almost like it's a physics engine. So for example, like you actually, you can make the dice, right, which I did, and, and you can put whatever you want on them. But it's like you just have these little disembodied hands. And so to roll the dice, it's not like there's a roll the dice button, you actually have to go and pick it up and pick it up like this and drop it. Oh, yeah. that that would throw me off. Okay. Yeah. But there's also they, they also add this fantastic button, which is a flip the table button, you know, out oh, no. of anger. So you nice. can just go throw everything off. Necessary for any board game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so going back to uh, <clears throat> going back to the days of of, of my youth, um, I had uh, you know I had a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo growing up in a Game Boy. Like I was just a all Nintendo family. Uh, Jesse, of course, grew up with all the systems the moment that they came out. Um, she was very, you know, tech savvy and fashion mm. forward. Um, that sounds that sounds exactly like my childhood. Yeah, uh, you're kind of a you're kind of a trendsetter for uh, rural Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I need to qualify for rural Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Um, in case people don't, if this way. is your first month experiencing playing time, maybe we should point out here how sarcastic David is being, uh, not about his own background with technology, but about my childhood and how um, I did not have any <laughs> technology outside of TV that, you know, for a long time didn't even have a remote, just a little turn dial. <laughs> I know it, it. You really have had. You really had an incredible uh, childhood for somebody whose father was a professional baseball player, which <laughs> I don't think everybody knows, but they do now. No, but he. That was a very short-lived. He played uh, very briefly with the Cardinals, very briefly. Mm -hmm. So that was not. It's yeah, not like, like I grew up the enchanted child of. I don't know. It was the St. Louis Cardinals, though. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, usually if you say oh, my dad was a pro baseball player, it's you know, he, he played for the Montgomery Biscuits, you know, which which is awesome. 
which is a real team, by the way. Look up that logo. You'll be pleased. I um, will definitely look that up. It's a biscuit. I, I would hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> they are misnamed. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm going to need to do something with the other side of my hair. I thought this side went well. This side did not go as well. So I, I didn't mean to control. derail you talking about Nintendo's and gaming systems. Um, oh, right. Except to point yeah, out yeah, yeah. that okay, so. if you don't know us yet, that's something to know. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, uh, and I wouldn't say it was sarcasm because, of course, sarcasm comes from the Greek and it means to cut, you know? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to hurt. I was, I was trying to just lie <laughs> so that to trick people, but not you. I mean, cause you lived it. I, I can't trick you. No. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, real quick, before we move forward, you can get me your social security number. I need to, um, I need to register this podcast. Yeah. I have, I happen. have mine. I have mine. <laughs> I just yours. Well, mine is the same as yours. You didn't know that? Oh, wasn't that nice? <laughs> they cycled around. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of births between uh, January and May of 1981. Um, I guess just, uh, you know, everybody was just was going to town as they were anxiously, you know, breathlessly awaiting what was going to happen with the Iran-Contra scandal. <laughs> What okay, a time so 1980 must have been. <laughs> going back. Yeah. I will right. keep you on so, topic. Thank you. My friend Blaine had a, uh, he had a, uh, well, he had a TurboGrafx-16, but he also had a Genesis. Um, and one of the games on the Genesis was called Shining Force. Uh, they had, there was Shining Force 1 and 2. Um, and it's one of the most amazing video games I have ever seen. It's uh, often been replicated in terms of its style, uh, in my mind, somewhat less successfully. Uh, but it, what it essentially is, it's a turn-based uh, strategy combat game. So I think if I've got that right. Um, so uh, for those who are familiar with more modern games, I think XCOM is similar and Fire Emblem, that's it. I played Fire Emblem for a bit. I couldn't get into it. I don't know why. Anyway, but um, Shining Force has like, it, you know, one of the, I don't want to say the, like one of the worst world building aspects I've ever seen and like really poor graphics even for the time, um, at least uh, with the overhead map. But it's the system that is just so amazing. You play a bunch of different characters in a little army uh, and there are just a whole bunch of different battles. That's what the whole game is. There's some RPG stuff in the middle, but mainly it's for the battles. And you you play one character at a time and you move your characters across the map and the, the bad guys move theirs across the map uh, and you fight each other and you attempt to to beat the bad guys. Um, it was really interesting. They had like embedded in this, like even though I'm sure nobody ever wrote this down, but their world building was really strange. Like they had centaurs and all the centaurs were always knights. And then they were like just random, like, yeah, there's one person that looks like a horse girl. Uh, and then they're, they're elves and the elves are always archers. And then they're bird people that, that whack people with swords. Um, there was a, a wolf guy in one of the games. Actually, I think both of the games, there, there was a wolf guy in both of the games. The, the turtle man, um all kinds of, of stuff like this and there was like also randomly a ninja and then also a samurai it, it just took from everywhere and just threw it all in there um and uh oh and a flying jellyfish who could do really good magic and i always called him either mr boxlow or mr doxlow because you can name the characters it feels like you're describing eight different games right now i know <laughs> but they're all the same game it's really amazing anyway so it, it was really fun uh and i've found ways to play it over the years again and again, originally on an emulator on a computer. Then they had one version that you could download for the phone and then that one got outmoded and then they got a new one. And so I have that. Um, 
I don't know. And it's just, uh, and then they had one for the Game Boy Advance that came out that was even better. Um, even though I didn't have a Game Boy Advance, I had the emulator. Um, I was very cheap in college. Um, so, uh, but it, it was just, it was that aspect of turn-based combat that I found so much fun. And so I thought it would do very well as a board game. And it was partially inspired by a game that my friend Ash had called Hero Quest that was somewhat similar, but much more RPG based. Um, and essentially now we have the grown-ups version of that in Gloomhaven. Um, but I wanted to, oh dear. Um, Do we need I'm to pause? Ignore that. I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I mean, oh boy. Uh, mm, 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 no. All right. So, um, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I wanted to create a game like that, right? Uh, and I found a way to crack the computerized aspect of it or, or the, you know, the, uh, I don't know what the word is for this, the part where the computer does it, you know? Um, oh, sure. Like, like an like, automated opponent kind of thing. Yes, the, auto, the automated thing. Okay, so um, uh, the thing that the, that the computer does that's so, uh, you know, that, that makes it so fun is that uh, every single one of your characters is a speed stat. And so essentially um, the computer, it goes in rounds, but it decides who uh, attacks because it just looks up whoever has the next highest speed. Mm -hmm. um, of course, as a board game, that can be incredibly tedious. Right. Right. Because you you could just imagine every single round is like, okay, who's next? Let me look. Because like, especially if you have like five to ten characters each, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I think I found a way to crack that. I found two ways. One one idea was given to me from Gloomhaven, but um, but essentially you just build a deck, which is a, which is what computers used to be, right? Right. It's a system of cards, right? And so then you just um, you just you know pull from the deck, and then whatever comes up. And you just you know, and you don't in and you don't shuffle in anything, right? It just builds and builds. And mm -hmm. builds. Anyway, I think I'm I think I'm just talking here. You're telling us about the game that inspired so, the entire thing that we're doing, right? So yes, with our rabbits and our uh, you you have red internet. No, now you have yellow internet. Um, but yeah, with our with, with our rabbits and our possums and our and our dogs and cats and mice, and then you know more more animals in the future. But those for right now. Um, anyway, so uh, but I was really delighted to learn that you know you also enjoyed board games. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, I think we only played one together, just Sushi Go. Oh, and I totally forgot that we played that together. Yeah. Seriously? I'm sorry. I think about that like every 4.5 <laughs> days, you know? Obviously not. Is that considered a board game? Because it's a card game. It's a card passing game. Yeah. Would you call I mean, it a board game? Well, nowadays what they call it is tabletop gaming. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. I would agree with the tabletop yeah. because it is most conveniently played with a table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we played Sushi Go, but you have, uh, you, you've also got some other good stuff. You have photosynthesis, which is cool. I really enjoy that one. Yes. Um, I was playing it wrong for several times because I, <laughs> I played it wrong a lot because I thought you just moved the sun in four corners, not in a hexagon. Oh, so you missed a bunch of growth cycles. Yes, I did. Um, oh. Yeah. You got to read the directions, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, you, I mean, I do read them, but then you also have to remember them, which is the thing, you know? Uh, that is, if you're going to, you know, play by the rules. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, I often forget rules uh, until I need them and then I remember them. It's, it's not cool, I know. Oh my gosh. That's why you always gotta be playing with somebody who's like, no, it's not in the rule book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, so first uh, uh, tell me about you and board games, tabletop <laughs> games. 
I like though how you like skip over the obvious. There will be no electronic games to talk about. <laughs> it's all bored. Um, or tabletop, we'll call them that. Um, as far as like history of me and games or yeah. <laughs> Um, no, we always played a lot of games um, when I was a kid, family games and things like that. So um, some of our favorite ones, and I don't know if they were favorite or if we just didn't have that many games to choose from and they were the only ones we had. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, but we played a lot of Yahtzee because my dad really liked that one. Um, Monopoly, which I have to this day, never been really a fan of. And when the game goes on too long, yeah. I start just trying to get rid of all my money to see if I can just either lose or I end up winning so big that it ends quickly. Um, Cause at some point it's like, well, I'm just done. Um, life was it the old school life. Yeah. Now it's all weird. Cause it's like you draw that. your cards and you can, like now it's not just like you go this path and you get this career. There's all this weird card drawing and I don't know. I don't like the new life. It's the old life. Clue was another big one that I really, really, really enjoyed. That I want to talk fun. about Clue for a minute, but I'm going to pause you right here because we both obviously grew up playing the game life. Did you also mm -hmm. enjoy the serial life? Yes. Me too. Love it. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> It was really good. I don't. Do they even still have it? I haven't bought cereal. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's not the type of thing. It's like I get cereal because I want cereal that day, and then I eat three bowls, and then I really regret it. Um, and then you're done. And then I mm -hmm. take yeah. And then I take a few months off cereal. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just how it goes. So, with Clue, I wanted to mention. Um, well, first that yeah, I grew up playing Clue. Blaine and I played Clue loved it loved it um but i at, at a certain point like i would try to just start guessing after turn two right just logicing see what happens. it all out mm -hmm. um and i i something i wonder about do you 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 took the gre around the same time mm -hmm. yeah and so you had the old third section right which yes. was the logic section mm -hmm. uh, apparently that or at least what i was told at ucsd that was really the only section they paid attention to. Which is um, very good for me. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like they didn't care what you did in math. Um, but no, math which, was very good for me too. It was the, the verbal section I bombed. <laughs> I guess you, were, you, know, uh, you know I like math, right? So math you was- you were reticent to uh, throw down your skills there, huh? <laughs> I would like to point out, David, just she's reticent to mean reluctant. <laughs> Something I have recently been pointed out is not technically right. <laughs> not happen um, again, but <laughs> but I'm glad that you you tried it out once. Yeah. So, uh, what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I tried it out. I really didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, felt dirty. But uh, yeah, I forget who I was talking to uh, over it. My might have been Masha Delinsky, but I forget the GRE came up. And she's like, oh, we don't pay attention to any of that. The only section we pay attention to is the, you know, the logic mm -hmm. section. Uh, but of course, they got rid of it. Right. Um, replaced it with an essay. Did you do the essay? Because they were testing it with us. Yes, yes, I did take the essay essay. Yeah, it was like the they called it optional, but it totally wasn't because you stayed in the room till you did it. But like it wasn't uh -huh. part of your score. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. And it was so dumb, wasn't it? It was like something like, you know, tell us what you think about nuclear power or something. I feel like mine was on something like privacy and government spying or something like But it was like the same kind of thing where it's like, I don't know, just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was, just... I feel like I wrote two paragraphs to try to show like good faith effort. And then I was out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, she said that the reason that they pay attention to that is it was a good predictor of how, uh, how good you are at linguistics. Because um, patterns, that's all yeah. it is. And so uh, going back, we noticed several of us loved doing those logic 
games growing up where you know mary is twice as tall as beth um sally is the middle you know middle height and so on i have i have apps downloaded so i can keep playing them yep and here we both really enjoyed clue growing up yes. because it's a logic game and it's basically the same type of game right mm -hmm. it's very similar i wonder if there are more linguists who enjoy clue that was it because there's also, you know, the strategy and clue really relies on you picking out which card of your own you're going to test because you always need to throw in your own cards so you know that like if somebody can prove you wrong, you're trying to get them to have to call out their cards and it's like you know what you have in your hand and as soon as someone can't prove that one thing wrong, then you know that that's one of the answers so it's like you just got to know which cards are, are smart plays so they can't figure out which one is yours. Yeah, and I also just do so much bluffing. I love it. Throw everything. Um, no, so yeah, Clue was always great fun. Um, but again, though, only the old school, the newer board, I am not a fan of. It's got to be the so old one. You mean you don't enjoy Clue Master Detective? Because that was the one that came out in the early 90s. Master, I'd have to look up which form you're talking about. I'm fairly certain my Clue game that I grew up playing came out in the 1960s because the box oh, you, was old. It was yeah. super old looking and that's what I enjoyed. Oh yeah, and that was a good one. Uh, but there was one that came out in the early 90s that added a few new characters. One of no, which no was new Sergeant characters. Gray. I'm, no, I'm already out. New characters. So you now. don't remember Sergeant Gray? No, I don't know who and, Sergeant Gray is because I like Peach. the old school. <laughs> no, yeah, no. well, I just no. I I liked being Miss Peach because she was she was the hot one. Um, That's Miss anyway. Scarlet. See, it's supposed to be Miss Scarlet who's the hot it one. It was Miss Scarlet until Miss Peach came out. I I'm sorry, but no, just no. Miss Scarlet deserves to maintain her title. And this is why, uh, no, way. don't even bother sending me a picture or anything, because I'm still going to say that I, I refuse to call it, pull it up. <laughs> I refuse to call it a version of Clue, because it's, you know, it's not the real one. He's okay, seriously that's, looking that's up a, a picture. Pixelated. Well, of course it's, it's, it's it is. A it's pixelated. a game from the early 90s, a picture of it. Well, while you're I looking, mean, okay, while here, you're looking that up, Parcheesi. Check this out. She looks like she belongs on Matlock. Um, mm -hmm. She's going to be charged Ward with murder. murder. She wrote. Um, so yeah, Parcheesi, I also played. That's another good one. Another one that it's hard to find the original forms. Um, this is my problem. I fell in love with games the way they were when I was a kid. And now so many game companies are trying to do things to make them more exciting or something. I don't know. I'm just not happy about that. You can find them now. And I also want to recommend uh, Board Game Geeks, uh, which is a, a website, right, that has a whole bunch of rankings for board games. But in the member forums, people do trades. That's how I got oh. HeroQuest, uh, because that's a game that's not available anymore. Um, and mm -hmm. if you find it online, it'll be for something like, you know, $500 uh, just because it's rare. Um, right. But yeah, I, I got that from, from somebody fairly inexpensive and, you know, he was just hoping that somebody would want it, you know? And so wow. I got it. Yeah. I'm still waiting to get Battle Masters. That's a fun one. A huge uh, map you lay out. Um, uh, that one was a fun one. But um, so, so yeah, you, well, why are they going to upgrade Parcheesi? That game is ancient. No, it Did is you know ancient. That? Yeah. Yes. Um, but there are some that like the board is different or there's like fewer spots or something like it's just some of them don't quite feel the same. Yeah. So uh, my my grandfather uh, is a psychologist. So I grew up with very strange games like the un game. You familiar with the un game? The un game? No. Un game. That's what I said. It, it came out yes. in the 1970s. Yeah. It came out in the 1970s no. and it was designed by psychologists, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it's a it's a game where, you know, it doesn't it, it has a beginning, but it doesn't have an end or a, or a point. You just move your characters around the spaces and pick up cards and talk about your feelings. It's literally what you do. Um, 
the the only way to you know lose uh, quote unquote you don't really lose but you like lose a turn and have to sit out for a little bit is if you are unwilling to share so like you know you you go and you come up to a space you pick up a card and it says something like you know uh, describe a time that you were afraid you know no thanks <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and if you don't like you go to some place it was called like you know like the the mire of denial or something like that like something you know where you just sit for a turn um wow okay <clears throat> it's yeah no very i've 70s. never never heard of it and definitely obviously never played it yeah it's worth a look yeah so. so beyond those were all sort of board and dice games right but then we also played a lot of card games like Jen Rummy and Pinochle. I actually learned that game from a fairly young age. Um, and so we would always play because we had four people. And so it was like a built-in Pinochle game um, in our family. <laughs> and um, so yeah, played a lot of those kinds of games. And I honestly, I, those are the only big ones that I remember playing. Um, now I have a problem with collecting too many games because I love them all. And there's a shelf in a closet that is so weighted down by board games that I'm pretty sure it's going to fall at some point. Yeah, same. I mean, same over here, same over here. Uh, it's uh, got another bookshelf to hold the bulk of them. Uh, but I'm fine with that. Um, in terms of card games growing up, I learned a lot of solitaire variants. So, you know, I only know two, I think. Well, there's the, the standard where you could play, of course, mm -hmm. you know, Vegas style or three at a time style. But I mean, beyond that, also learned 13 solitaire, clock solitaire. Clock um, is the other one that I know. So that's that one. Um, and then um, uh, a, a, a unique type of solitaire that essentially you could just do it to shuffle the deck. I don't even know what it's called, but you just, you can play it like in the car because all you do is you take the deck of cards, you pull up four cards and then you look at the first and fourth card. If they are the same suit, you pull out the middle two. Okay. If they're the same number, you pull out all four. Okay. All right? And if, if they're neither, you just pull another card. And then you, again, you're, you're comparing the card you just pulled up to one that's mm -hmm. four before and you keep going uh and the and you win essentially um it's like you tie if you have two cards at the end a, uh a, a like half win is if you have one card at the end and then a full win is if you have none so, okay um but it's like you can you can get runs where it's like you know you, you pull it up nope 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 and so you have this huge hand uh, but it's like, it's kind of just a way to pass time and shovel the deck just by yourself. It's cool. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I never heard of that one. And then the what is fun, though, um, a lot of fun is uh, Double Solitaire. Have you ever played Double Solitaire? Um, no, not unless I called it something else. Okay, so uh, Double Solitaire, the way that works is you just play Solitaire normally, and another person plays Solitaire normally, but you share your aces. Oh, that's interesting. No, but that's yeah. also not solitaire. I would no, like to point not. out. That's why it's, it's called double solitaire. Duo tear. <laughs> it's double solitaire. But how can it be double solitaire if solitaire means alone? Well, how can baseball be a team sport when it's clearly not? <laughs> but it is. Oh, I still need to call my dad and ask him about the pickle. Yeah. Gotta find out if that's a if that's a regional thing. Oh, oh and if you're not I'm on Discord, then you don't know about this, um, oh, yeah. because I only know the term in baseball rundown, where it's you know like a runner is caught between two bases trying to advance, but then the ball gets thrown there. So he's just running back and forth trying not to get tagged out. To me, that's a rundown. Um, but David said it's a pickle, and while it is indeed a pickle, because I use pickle to mean like oh that's a situation. Um, it's like apparently a specific term in baseball for that situation, but maybe not everywhere because a lot of other people were like, no, I've never heard it used that way either. So um, I need to find out. That they're not baseball fans though. Look, this is to me, this is kind of like, let's say, you know, 
a linguist comes to you and say, hey, have you ever heard of anybody calling plosive, plosive stops? And I'd be Is that like a regional thing? <laughs> are, are you saying that we don't, that's, but that's why I'm going to be asking my dad who does know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that his reaction would be like, wait, you don't know that? No, he's, his reaction is gonna be, he's gonna answer me. And then he'll just hang up the phone and have no response. <laughs> It'll be, I'll, I'll, like, you know, he is always up, happy to talk baseball. Be like, you know, hey dad, do you know like a rundown in baseball? Can it be called a pickle? And he says, <laughs> yes, hang up, no reaction. That, that's exactly what happens, yes. <laughs> It's interesting. I, I, I know previously that uh, Jesse's father only responds to her with either yes or no. That's it. <laughs> he doesn't say anything else. Again, again, with you and the, the lies. Now that I know I can't call it anything but what it is, and it's a lie. He'll talk. He'll talk to everybody else, but just to you, you only get mm. yes and no. That's it. Yep. Okay, so... I want to tell everybody about something that really surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't have, but something that really surprised me, really shocked me was when, uh, I can't even remember what we were chatting about sometime last year, but you just kind of casually mentioned your, you know, your nightly D&D &D game. It's and not nightly, was, no. Well, <laughs> in that it happens at night, but... Okay. Um, Nighttime. <laughs> I was absolutely shocked, floored, <laughs> leveled that A, you knew about D&D, &D, B, you approved of it, and C, participated in it. I was absolutely shocked for a number I don't know whether whether D&D &D should feel judged right now or I should feel judged. <laughs> it's you. But like, okay, you know, fair enough. you know, you know, the world that we grew up in, you know, the reputation that D&D &D had. I just naturally assumed that if you knew about it, you'd be again it. <laughs> Not even against again. <laughs> um, no, and apparently I need to tell you more childhood stories. So, you know, <laughs> so you have a better image of what I was like. I don't know. Um, but no, anyway, I was. This one's, this one's a snake. Sorry. <laughs> I was never against D and D. Wow. And <laughs> at what point in time did you decide to accept it into your life? <laughs> um. Honestly, I never even thought much about it because, like, none of my friends played it. You know, like when I was in middle or high school. Um, or even college, I just I just didn't have the the group around me, so it never like I knew people played it and I knew it was a game and it sounded cool, but like I just didn't have the people around me who also thought it sounded like it would be a fun time, um, and so it wasn't until we moved to Texas that I found people who were familiar with D and D and were patient enough to be willing to play with somebody who like legit had no idea what they were doing. Um, and so um, Will and I bought a D&D starter kit. So that way we would have, you know, like some basic directions and things like that. And yeah, we had friends come over and, and basically like participate and one of them DM'd for us. So that way we could get the experience. And then once we started that, we joined in with some other friends who were looking for new members um, to start a new campaign. And yeah, we started playing. Now, um, rather unfortunately, we've kind of fallen off it because as good as it can be on discord or zoom or whatever it's just not the same if you're not at the same table and honestly yeah. like all of us were kind of like <laughs> so yeah so we haven't played like we tried it a few times had some fun but it just wasn't the same so I honestly haven't played um, my own character in D&D &D for um, almost a year now. And your character is? Elspell's Pebble Chum. 
what? <laughs> her name. Uh, she's a gnome. Can you say is... the first name again? The first name is Elsbells. As in Hell's Bells without the H. Uh-huh. Okay. And Pebble Jim is her last name. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't bother with a Conlang name? Oh, no. No. Because that, that would be separate from what other people would know her as. <laughs> so, Why? no, her name is Elsbells. Just go with it. Did I just again destroy your, your confidence? <laughs> Dear listeners, I am trying my best. I am trying my best to segue into language here. It's just not working. Um, I did create a language for gnomes. We can talk about that. But you no, we've did. already talked about that. You created we've already a talked language about that. for gnomes. And then yeah. you had the opportunity to play a gnome character of your own design. Mm-hmm. And you named it Elle's Bells. Yes, because it matched her spirit. And it's really fun to introduce yourself because you can like, I'm Elle's Bells. And everybody's like, oh, shit, it's good. It's good stuff. And there is nothing in the Gnoma language that that you felt adequately. Mm, no, also, also, I do want to say that my gnome language is for garden gnomes and the gnomes of D&D are not garden gnomes. The, the word gnome gets overused and overapplied to many different things. And I just want to point out that I'm aware and sensitive to gnome culture. Yeah. I think <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to use the garden gnome language for, you know, D&D gnome. We all know it's something that you take very seriously. Indeed. And she's a wizard. So that's, mm. that's who she is. Wow, you just you just went in and made a wizard, huh? Oh yeah. That's one of the difficult ones. Oh, but it's so much fun. And it again matches her character because they learn from books and her character is very book smart, but very not life smart. I just and it works imagine. well for can't imagine what. <laughs> uh, no, go ahead. No, it just it works very well too for people who don't fully know all the D and D things because you end up doing really stupid things that if you were a better player you wouldn't do, but it's like I know the spells, <laughs> but you know, beyond that you're stuck with whatever I think of, and that's when I get into situations like, for instance, in a recent campaign. And by recent, I mean the last one I played in like a year ago, um, I had the skill to build a bomb. And so I did, because it sounded like a good idea at the time. And then I blew up an entire inn and almost died because I didn't have the dexterity. <laughs> I rolled a nat one while I was building a bomb. Oh my. Yeah, it was bad. But on the, on the knowledge parts, I was rolling nat 20s all the way through. So it was like, I was doing great. And then... And then <laughs> I almost <laughs> killed my entire party. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I was I was about to say I couldn't imagine playing anything other than a bard because uh, what I what I mainly want to do is convince people to do what I want them to do and play music and make sure no, that I'm everybody has the, a good time. I'm there for the adventure. <laughs> Roman, I want you to carefully consider what you're thinking about doing. Roman! Roman, how dare you? How dare you? Get and yourself down. Just so everybody else knows, I have no idea what Roman just did. It was off camera, but it almost got David to stand up. He knows. He knows that he's not supposed to be able to know that. Little fiend. Absolute little fiend, you. Come here. Come here and accept your punishment. I'm going to scratch your belly. And this is the part of the podcast where David forgets that we're recording sound only and is just talking to his cat. <laughs> I didn't forget. Well, you think I'm not going <laughs> to? Little fiend. That's a good boy, Roman. See, that's a good choice. That's a positive choice. There you go, my boy. Now stay right there and don't do the naughty thing that you're thinking of. Right. 
Yeah. So I'm just going to keep talking, but I'm going to keep looking at him because that's the only way I can make sure that he behaves. All right. I'm thinking about you, Roman. Okay. So, um, oh yeah, I, I did want to mention, oh, I was so disappointed. Um, I did a, a one shot with a friend of mine that, that she, where I, I brought my bard, my, my dragonborn bard. And, uh, and, and it was uh, and it was this one shot where there is a society of cats that lives amongst the humans, unbeknownst to everybody. And, and there and there's a little adventure that you go with for for the cats. And yeah, once we started doing this, I knew that there was a reason why she was saving this one for me. Um, and and there's this cat that's helping you because um, you know he he wants you to help get something back. And it turns out, of course. Um, he is betraying you at the end and he is, he is really the bad guy. And so, but at the end when he was going to, you know, cause we successfully did it and everything, it was narrow, but we did it. And so he was going to be, you know, jailed for his punishment. Uh, I made an urgent plea to this cat. I said, we can do this, but I can get us out of here. And we too, we can go off and you can be my cat. And we can be happy forever. And this is with my bard who has like an 18 in charisma. And so I went to roll persuasion, which he had a plus five to. Oh, no. And I rolled a one. Oh, oh it's a sad day. It broke my little heart. And so he went off to prison. <laughs> you tried. You tried. I did. I did. You failed, but you tried. <laughs> yes, I did. Ah, yeah. So uh, an interesting thing to note is that um, as, as we kind of get back to our main topic of language, uh, but <laughs> so last semester you uh, debuted a really, really unique class, which was um, examining language use in D and D specifically, yes. Um, and so, uh, tell us about like your idea in delving into that because, of course, it wasn't like conlang use in D and D specifically, but it was more language use in D and D. Right. Yeah. So um, we were looking at issues of language and identity and showing how, especially people who really get into the role playing aspect, um, how people use language markers differently to um, match who their character is um, in terms of who they are in the game with relation to all the other characters. And then further how you can actually analyze the, the language differences between when a person is you know, being a player versus a character. So like in player mode, you may stop and ask the DM like, hey, can I roll for initiative? Versus, you know, you're like your character wouldn't ask the DM that your character's in the story. Um, and so just looking at the, the ways that language can be used differently. And um, of course, since like not everybody is going to have access to some really solid players who can differentiate very well between character and player, um, we used a lot of critical role videos. So that way they could watch, you know, professionals playing D and D, and looking at how you can actually look for very specific language features to show differences, not only in how the messages are composed and how they are um, spoken, but also like if you start really thinking about content and what they're saying versus what they're not saying. Because I think a lot of times we forget like how much you know about your own character, but how much nobody else at the table is supposed to know that. And you may end up talking about it as players outside of the game, but in the world, the other characters have to pretend like they don't know something your player, you know, your character has gone through. Um, and so it's just, it's really interesting when you start really looking at how do they ask questions or how do they interact with each other um, to create this world within a world within a game. <laughs> so yes. this reminds me of the weirdest thing. Uh, were you a Seinfeld watcher? Yes, but like one of the Seinfeld watchers who would always just see it as reruns. And so it's yeah. like, I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode, but I, yeah, in no, pieces. I'm, no, I'm roughly the same boat. Okay, do you remember the episode where Kramer, uh, his uh, phone number got mixed up with movie phone? 
No. Oh, maybe. I, uh, it's one of those things where like, if I started watching the episode, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, I knew this one. But off the top of my head, no, but that sounds like a great episode. Well, for younger folk, uh, back before the internet, or even in the early oh days of the internet, you yes, would- we need uh, to explain this. Yeah, if you didn't, uh, in order to find out what movies were playing, you either had to go to your local theater, or if that was inconvenient, look at the newspaper. Um, mm -hmm. But later, you know, say you didn't get a newspaper or you, you couldn't find it, you could actually call into a free phone number and, and it was called movie phone. And by punching things in, you could find out what movies were playing at many different cinemas in your area. And there was a guy who's like had this movie phone voice and it was very specific. Hello, welcome to movie phone. Yes. If you would like to, and then, you know, you would, you could punch in either a specific movie or a specific theater and they would tell you the show times. Uh, anyway, so in this episode, um, he changed his number and his number is, I guess, like one off from movie phone. It was like, you know, uh, 1-800 like, you know, new filk or something as opposed to new right. film. And so he's just started to pretend to be the movie phone guy. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, but the thing is he was doing it pretty successfully. And so like at one point it was like, you know, he's like, go ahead and type in the first three letters of the movie you'd like to see. And then you hear him listening on the phone and he just hears boop, boop, boop. He's <laughs> like, he doesn't know what to do with that. Right. And so he's like, and so he's like in character. He's like, why don't you tell me the movie that you'd like to see? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, so somehow being in character and like pretending that you don't know things that reminded me of that. <laughs> because there have been a number of situations where especially this is the best one where the there's two characters a and b um and b knows something but his character doesn't let's say right and then a neither he nor his character knows it mm -hmm. right and so it's like he's the person is sitting here going like you know it's 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 it, where it's just like um why don't you you know uh did you did you get any book, you know, from the dungeon that you just searched? No. It's like, <laughs> are you sure you don't remember picking up a book that might have some sort of a particular colored cover? No. <laughs> it's just like sitting there going, oh my God, how can you not remember the fact that you picked up this book with a purple cover and we need it right now? And it's like, but he can't. <laughs> oh man anyway those are the best so um i i was curious what you know you so ultimately what happened is that i ran some one shots for right. your class yes and then other members of the class reviewed the videos of them mm -hmm. right and i was always curious but never curious enough to actually do in the work to go and read stuff what were some of the results? Like, do they find interesting stuff? They did. Um, and a lot of them, like a lot of the comments that were made there and some of them were sent to me directly. Um, but a lot of the comments were really based around how different the one shot turned out for like <laughs> so many different <laughs> reasons. But specifically thinking about, um, especially like the first moves because when they walk into a room, because like the beginning of the, the, the one shot is really the same for all four groups because they're all given the exact same scenario and set up to the point, well, and David made sure he gave them the same scenario all the way up to the point where like they get to interact with somebody. And the way that it went from there, there were still some similar aspects for many of the groups, but what they really noticed was the differences between like when people chose to interact with these specific things. Um, like there were some animals in the middle of a room and some groups immediately went to try to save these animals that looked like they were, you know, caged and maybe not so happy. Other groups completely ignored them and did like perimeter checks. And like, so it was just really interesting how that made such a difference for where they went from there, including how they asked questions how they interacted with the other people, the non, you know, the NPCs, the non-playing characters, um, and even how they interacted as groups were very 
different, like how they actually, some groups didn't quite work together. One group straight up like split in half and they killed yeah. the other half of the group. <laughs> <laughs> I think by accident, but I'm still not totally sure. Um, <laughs> but just the dynamics of how they interacted and and got to the end and the ending, it, it was really four different endings because you know one group totally survived and did awesome. Um, we had a group completely die, <laughs> just like 100%. Um, and so it was just, it was, that was, I think the biggest focus that they, that they worked on, um, especially with that very opening, there was an opening conversation with like the four of them were guard, like they're hired to be bodyguards or whatever. Um, and they go up and they meet somebody guarding the door and they have to get entry. And like just that very opening conversation um, a lot of people focused on just how different it was depending on what kind of character was speaking and what kind of um, mannerisms they took on. And yeah, so that was really where they focused it. And it was very interesting because I sat through all four of those one shots. Yes, very did. interesting to compare. <laughs> I was I was really surprised by when when characters would disobey orders they were given and when they wouldn't. Right. Like, none of them tried to get into that kitchen. <laughs> no, no. Um, so not only were a lot of the characters um, more rule followers in, ten, in terms of like um, a lot of them were kind of like aligning themselves on the D&D alignment chart um, in terms of, you know, like neutral good or whatever. Um, or lawful good, good, neutral and good would be. Chaotic, neutral <laughs> in the streets, lawful good in the sheets. We know it. These are my students, David. Uh, <laughs> um, so like one character in particular, um, he knew he was basically going to be killing himself to try to save another character. And as a player commented on that, it was like, oh gosh, this is not gonna end well for me, but this is my character. And so then, you know, went back into character mode and when I, I forget if there was a fire or just arrows everywhere, or what was happening, but like he literally knew that essentially he, his character was going to die, but he couldn't go against what he thought his character would do in that situation. Um, and so you do get like interesting moments like that where you get meta commentary from the player <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, but here I go anyway. Um, also very interesting is how well people use pronoun switches. Um, when it's like as a character, they really get into it and say, oh, I do this or I, you know, I'm talking to so-and-so versus, oh, well, my character walks up to so-and-so. And so those are some mm, player yeah. differences too, because some people really stayed third person the whole time and didn't really get into it. And other people, like some people were even playing with accents and everything. So that was mm -hmm. also some differences in players. That would actually be an interesting study. You know, just uh, it'd have to be a huge one. But you, what you do is you try to to see how long does it take somebody to switch from my character to I. Some mm -hmm. will start that way, others won't. How long does it take them to switch? And is well, there any commonalities? Hmm. It's also like very interesting um, in terms of looking at the referent for when you get the I and me, um, because especially when you get into games like watching Critical Role do their videos. Um, they, when they're in just player mode chit chatting among themselves, like whether it's a break or they're all just teasing each other or whatever, um, one player will say to another like, oh, can you believe what I just did? Meaning my character, you know, meaning the character did it. Um, yeah. And so it's just like, it's really interesting the, the different reference that you have to keep track of um, in a role playing game to really be able to follow who's who and, and what's going on. Um, it's also interesting when you get situations um, where one player identifies as one gender, but then plays a character who identifies as another gender, mm. um, specifically because, and this happens in Critical Role all the time, if you watch their second campaign, um, because Sam plays not who is a female goblin, and he identifies male. And so anytime the players are talking to him as a player, they use he, but sometimes they'll accidentally use he for his character. And 
in his character's voice, he'll always stop and go like, I know I'm not pretty, I'm a goblin, but I am a girl. <laughs> so it's just really funny because it's it's just trying to figure out what pronoun forms to use, whether you're in player or character mode can be really intense. So anyway, yeah, that's a good study. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so language. <laughs> <clears throat> because I have never used a conlang in D and D, I I just never have. I've also never like DM'd or I've never DM'd or anything. Why uh, why do you not want to share your conlangs with your other D and D? Um, quite frankly, I don't think any of them <laughs> to do the work to try to figure it out. Oh, you don't need to do work. You just you just you just use it start talking in a con line no no but i mean you know your your character's name and the names of things that your character finds things like that you know if if i knew the story ahead of time and knew what words i would need in my language for what my character would find then it wouldn't really be a dnd campaign would it you could do it in between sessions <laughs> And be like, wait, let's go back to last week. Remember when I found that thing? <laughs> I know what to call it now. Yeah. A dingle hopper. <laughs> That's a perfect name. Yeah. By the way, you know the guy that did that voice was on an episode of Murder, She Wrote? I did not know that. Um, I don't think no, it will no. take much for most people to know that you know way more about Murder, She Wrote than I ever did, even though I've seen pretty much all of the episodes and may have even seen them before you started watching them. I don't know, but you know much more than I do. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> I, pay, I pay a lot of attention. Hmm. Nice. Can't wait for next month's podcast, which is about Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> murder she spoke <laughs> mm -hmm. oh man i would love to see you know jessica fletcher engage with somebody who's creating their own language <laughs> <laughs> that would be something you're telling me you created your own pronouns verbs things like that <laughs> oh my gosh mm. and i need to start i'm gonna need to start writing some episodes of murder she wrote i think some fanfic no i want them to be produced as stage plays oh but wouldn't that still be considered fanfic as a start um mm, mm, it depends where you draw that line okay you know uh the lumpers of course are going to say well everything is fanfic you know, kind of like the the conlangers that say that it's impossible to create an a priori conlang. Because it comes from some piece of a language that has been used somewhere along the way. Yeah, and because we all speak a language. And so we can't know what it's like to create language without having a language. That is, sure, yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's, that's one person. <laughs> I've, I find the attitude a bit churlish myself, but, you know. <laughs> I find it a little bit too theoretical to give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, call it what you want. Here's, <laughs> here's what I'm going to call it, and that's good. I, I will, I will, uh, I will close on this note. Um, the show that I've liked working on the least or one of the least definitely is my favorite show that I've ever worked on Penny Dreadful um, really I, I think it's the highest quality thing I've ever worked on um, in terms of, of writing and acting I think it's wonderful um, and I really really enjoyed it um, but it was awful to work on um, and uh, but they came out with a version of Clue that was Penny Dreadful themed. And I, I bought it and it's still in the plastic. I've never played it because, you know, I don't have anybody to play it with. Cause you don't want to just pull out clue Penny Dreadful and play it with people who've never seen the show. Like what's the point, mm. right? Right. 
Yeah. So I'm waiting. One day. Someday. Someday. Is it? No, that's not the same one. Is Pin? No. Neil Patrick Harris. He was in something Dr. that was totally Horrible. different. Thank you. I was like, I was introduced to both of them around the same time. So for some reason, I always get their names mixed up. They couldn't be more different. <laughs> and yet, it's the names that I mix up. I'm not saying I mix the shows up, just the names. Very similar, you know. Well, actually, I guess you're right. Horrible and dreadful. I, I take it back. I was going to make, I was going to poke a little fun. Oh, but I my. rescind the fun poking. Are you reticent to, to do that? Mm. And now he stopped. <laughs> that was me being reticent. <laughs> Unwilling to speak. Okay. Anyway, I, I, by the way, I assume you haven't seen Penny Dreadful. No, not yet. It's a, it is a high recommend. It is, uh, but you know, you know what it's more or less about, right? Off the top of my head, no. 19th century classic, like monsters and supernatural stuff, but mm -hmm. all living at the same time in London. Okay. Um, so they're vampires, Frankenstein, uh, Dorian Gray is in it. Uh, Alan Quartermain or an Alan Quartermain like guy. Um, werewolf. Okay. Uh, but done very, uh, very seriously. Um, and so there is, you know, blood and gore. Which you know how I am with that, so. I know. <laughs> Gentle souls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, I, I, I think that at this point, we are going to close the podcast in the way that we usually do, which is I say some things and then Jesse struggles for last words, right? That sounds about right. That sounds exactly like every other podcast we've ever done. When really the only words you need to remember, well, do you want me to just close it out with the only thing you need to even remember to say? Go for it. Okay, so you have no last words. <laughs> oh, <darn laughs> All right, so that's step one: is put um, David wait. on the spot. Actually, actually, I actually do. I actually do. Okay. And this is this is this is my recommendation for those patrons that are on Discord. Mm -hmm. Keep throwing us, keep throwing us those uh, podcast ideas. Um, and if this didn't, if this wasn't what you were expecting when you suggested this, then be more in depth. <laughs> give us a script yeah. um okay so that's that's good that's a good yes. last word Excellent. okay so the next stage once we put you on the spot the next thing is to say stay grammar and the very final thing talk to you next time <laughs> bye everyone <laughs>